Hello, and welcome to the Heaven Bound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life, the way it was meant to be, and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thank you so much for joining us on the journey today. We are last Friday in the month of July, as hard as that is to believe. This is part two of a little two-part series that we've called Life Lessons from Lot. If you missed part one, we went back to Genesis. We talked a little bit about this nephew of Abraham, and we talked about making choices by sight. But Roger, there's another dimension of this that we want to look at today from this righteous man's life is the way that he's described in the New Testament. Yeah, we do. And and we're going to eventually take us to 2 Peter chapter 2. But before we get there, let's kind of fill in some places as we left off last time. So we remember that Abraham and Lot, they had two minutes uh, livestock. The land would not sustain them. The herdsmen were starting to fight with each other, and so they separated. Abraham let Lot choose which way he wanted to go, and he chose the area of Sodom and Gomorrah because of the green pastures and the well-watered area. And as we mentioned last time, it was a it was a decision made based upon the outward appearance, upon sight. Uh, the text tells us back in Genesis 13 that the area of Sodom and Gomorrah was exceedingly wicked, and yet Lot chose that. Well, as the story progresses, and God becomes impatient, God runs out of patience with Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's going to destroy them because of the corruption and the wickedness found there. As chapter 19 begins, it's kind, of, it's kind of like a progression in Lot's life, because as it begins, Lot seems to be outside the city, and he's in the pasture land, and then he moves a little bit closer. And then as chapter 19 begins, the angels come to Sodom, and they find Lot sitting in the gate of Sodom. He's like within the city now, and he's right among them. And the angels tell them that they're going to destroy the city and for Lot to leave. And when we get to verse 15 and 16 of chapter 19, the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, up, take your wife, your two daughters who are with you, unless you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Verse 16 begins by saying, he hesitated. That's just marveling to me. I mean, an angel comes and tells you, you better get out. I'm running. You know, I mean, even put my shoes on. I'm running. But Lot hesitated. And so the angels seized him, and they took him out. And we remember the story that they were told to leave and not look back. And Lot's life, wife turned around and looked back, and she instantly became a pillar of salt. She died. As the chapter 19 ends, Lot and his two daughters are in a cave. And the daughters are concerned that there's no men around to marry, so they get Lot drunk. And they have sexual relations with him, and they become pregnant by him. And it's just a sad, sad story to all the things that took place. And I can expect that Lot had a lot of regret thinking about, I took care of my sheep, 
but my family fell apart because of the influences of Sodom and Gomorrah. Roger, your description of Lot getting gradually closer to Sodom reminds me of a passage we recently talked about in this series of the trees of the Bible. We went back to Psalm 1, and the entire book of Psalms begins with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. There is clearly some progression there, right? At first I'm walking, then I stand, then I sit down, and perhaps I'm surrounded by scoffers. In fact, I, you know, one of the, the saddest lines to me there in Genesis 19 is in verse 14, where Lot tries to warn his sons-in-law, and in their eyes, he's, he's jesting is the way the English Standard Version renders that. They, they think, he, you know, there's no way that this guy has lost his mind. Why would we listen to this sort of thing? Doesn't he realize perhaps it is going through their minds how good life here in Sodom is? Blessed is the man who doesn't walk or sit or stand where he ought not to be, because as you've drawn out, it could cost him everything. And what's also interesting, as chapter 19 ends, and it talks about the children that came about from the daughters as they had relations with Lot, that one became the nation of Moab, the other the nation of the Amorites. And they they plagued the people of God throughout Bible history. And, and we see how how sad that is. When we get to the book of Second Peter chapter 2, Peter talks about the coming judgment, and he, he gives us three examples from the Old Testament. He says, first of all, in verse 4, that God did not spare the angels when they sinned. And then in verse 5, he talks about Noah and the flood, and that God did not spare the ancient world, but preserved Noah, a preacher of righteousness. And then he says in verse 6 and 7 and 8, he says, if he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives hereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for what he saw and heard that righteous man while living among them felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by the lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. Three times the text reminds us that Lot in God's eye was righteous. And what he saw and what he heard in Sodom said it tormented his soul. Other translations says it called him deep distress. Uh, Phillips in his translation says he was suffering spiritual agony. And so even though Lot did not engage in the activities of sin, seeing it and hearing it and having it all around him, it affected his soul. He felt tormented by those things. And I think it would be good for us to just kind of talk about that in our times today because that, that really describes a lot of Christians today. 
our world seems to be spinning the wrong direction. And a lot of brethren are just feeling like they are tormented by what they hear, by what they see. And we need to, as we talk about that, see what is it that we can do when we feel this way. So, okay, um, we, we hear that this man was bothered on the inside. Maybe a good place to begin, Roger, would be to explore, okay, why was he tormented in soul, and is there anything we can learn from that? What What do you think Peter means as he's reaching back and describing what, what's going on in Lot's soul, and why is it tormented? Well, you know, as verse 6 in Second Peter 2 ends, he talks about the ungodly lives. And then in verse 7, it says, Lot's uh, righteous lot was oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men. So Lot was a man of principle, but around him were men of unprincipled. Lot was a man of righteousness, but around him were people of sensuality, people who had no rules, people who did what they wanted to do. And as we know what Sodom and Gomorrah was and what it represented, how, how sinful and ungodly that was, it bothered him. And, and, and it ought to bother a righteous soul because he's seeing mankind not living as God created them. This is not the way God made us to be. He's seeing people hurt each other, and that's not the way it's supposed to be. And so he's seeing people acting like animals, not in the image of God. And that would be something that torments him, bothers him. He wishes it would be different, but this is what he saw. It wouldn't bother him if he didn't believe in the Lord, right? I mean, if time allowed, we could go all the way back to Genesis 12 and work our way forward. God comes to Abram and says, I want you to get up. I want you to leave your father's house and and the land you've always lived in. And I want you to go to the land that I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing Genesis 12, 4 tells us, so Abram went as the Lord told him and Lot went with him. I've, I've got to imagine that a whole lot of Lot's sensibilities, his, his moral compass, his conscience is shaped by his uncle, right? Who is being shaped by the Lord himself. And now as this man sees I made the decision to move into this valley. Uh, Roger, as you drew out earlier, I made the decision to be close and then a little closer and then literally to be sitting in the gate where the leaders of the city would sit. But what I see day after day after day is grating on my conscience. I know This is not what it looks like to live in the image of God or to treat other image bearers of God the way that he would have me to. What sort of practical lessons can we draw 4,000 years after these events? Roger, you've mentioned that, that our own souls can be troubled, distressed by what we see What do we do with that? And that's really what we need to talk about, because it is not uncommon for a Christian working in the typical 
corporate world today just to hear all kinds of ungodliness. The talk about what you did over the weekend, the mocking of God, the, the ridicule of things that are righteous, just the, just the uh, uh, living without rules, without any consequences, without any conscience. It just bothers. It's like, how can people live that way? And they talk so filthy anymore. And when you hear some of these people talking anymore on, in, in interviews, uh, bad language comes out almost as much as they're breathing. It's just like they can't say a sentence without saying a bad word. And that's all around us. And it's just like, this just, we, we, we get, we get weary of this. And it really hurts upon us. And we look at a culture today that, that is embracing the idea of changing your gender. And if a person can change your gender, the next natural step is you can change your race. And then the step after that is you can change your species. I mean, what well, once the door is opened, no one will ever close it again. And so it, it will not be uncommon for someone to say, well, you know, I, I'm really a, a two-legged dog that's walking like this and, and, and just to be like that. And, and we look at that and say, you're made by God. You're different than all the creation that God put you in his image. But people don't want to recognize that and see that. So w- one of the things that I think helps through all of this is worship. Uh, church services ought to be an oasis. I mean, it ought, it ought to be an island of refuge. We go there, and we're surrounded with people who love the Lord. They love his word. They love doing what is right. And, and what, a, what a breath of fresh air that is and how that can help us get our compass right and help us get our priorities right. And that, and that, that is so important. And so the valuableness of worship, attending as often as you can, as regular as you can, this is something that's going to help us because our souls are tormented all the time. I, I love the highlight of worship, and I would just extend that to the rest of the week. What am I filling my mind and my heart with, you know, to lean once again on on Psalm 1, blessed is the man who doesn't walk or stand or sit uh, among the wicked and the sinner and the scoffer, but his delight, th- this man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's ultimately, I think, what Peter is drawing our attention to in Second Peter 2 and 3, that, listen, we have God's word provided to us. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, But Peter says, there are going to be people constantly leading you away from that, pushing you, calling you, enticing you away from the will of God. And and he leads his audience in 2 Peter 3 to, this is the second letter I'm writing to you. I'm stirring up your minds by way of reminder You must remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles. God has spoken. Meditate on his will, his revelation, his wisdom. If you fill your mind, if you allow your 
children to fill their minds day and night, day after day, with the products of wicked, self-centered sinners. You're exactly in the predicament that Lot was in in Genesis 19, and it will take a toll. Just a few verses after where we were there in Second Peter 2, Peter continues, and notice this description, starting in verse 12. But these, he says, like unreasoning animals, born as creatures of instinct, to be captured and killed, reviling where they have no knowledge, will in their destruction and the creatures also be destroyed, suffering wrong as the wages of doing wrong. They count pleasure to revel in the daytime. They are stains and blemishes, reveling in their deceptions, and they are callous with you, having eyes full of adultery that never cease from sin, enticing unstable souls, having a heart trained in greed, accursed children. Now, that could be that could be the workplace right there. No doubt. That could be the school right there. But what's interesting about Second Peter is how Peter begins this book in the first chapter. Before he goes through all this dark, negative, this is the world we're in, and you know, there are reasons for that. All the way back to John chapter three, where Jesus says people love darkness rather than the light. Well, early in this book, in Second Peter chapter one, Peter talked about adding to your faith. Add to your faith moral excellence, to moral excellence knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. If these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when our souls are tormented, one thing we need is an oasis, and that's church services. Another thing we need, and that's a refuge, and that's Jesus Christ. And we do that by realizing how important it is that I'm growing in these virtues, as Peter mentions them. And I'm involved in all of these things. Every one of those is important in my life. And the more and the more and the more I'm adding to these things, the more I'm looking the right direction, the less of these things in the world are going to be noticed by me. I'm going to be moving onward as God wants me to with these things. So what I hear you saying, Roger, is, okay, I've I've got the refuge of the Lord's church. I've got the refreshment that comes through Jesus, a, a vibrant connection to the vine like a branch. I guess the last thing that I would add from Genesis 19 all the way to 2 Peter 2 There comes a time that we realize, okay, I I cannot change the sensual conduct of the wicked. People are going to make the choices that they are going to make, but I must have the courage to be distinctive. I must be willing. You you referenced the example of Noah in 2 Peter 2. I must be willing to build what God calls me to build, realizing that if I choose to follow God's will, I am by my very actions going to condemn the world that is following a very different pathway I think as as disciples of Jesus, we've got to realize, okay, my goal is not to be offensive. I'm not out to just make people mad, 
But if living for Jesus makes me stand out, I have to be at peace with standing out. And I would add to this, and again, this comes straight from Second Peter and also from the text in Genesis, where it says, if you rescued righteous Lot, well, how did God rescue Lot? He sent angels and he pulled them out of that area. As hard as it is, you may have to leave that job because it's going to make you lose your soul. As hard as it is, your kids may have to switch to another school. I mean, as hard as it is, you may have to move. Um, you, know, the, you know, those are hard, hard decisions. But you notice what God did for Lot. He pulled him out of that city. And Lot didn't take with him all his livestock. Lot just left with what he had on him. And that's how God was going to rescue him. He's going to have to start all over. But that's better than losing your soul. And so when we think about these tough, tough times we live in, we need to see that we're bothered by these things. Uh, in some ways, that's a good thing. In the book of Jeremiah, it talks about the people got to a point where they could not even blush anymore. Uh, we need to be embarrassed. We need to blush. We need to be bothered by these things because that, that makes us realize we're still sensitive. We still have our spiritual radar on. We recognize these things. It's troublesome to me when somebody will recommend a movie and you go see that movie and it's just full of filthiness, all kinds of language and everything. And I said, how in the world did you recommend this movie? And they said, well, it wasn't too much. Well, it was all over the place, you see. And, and when we get to that point, we, we're sitting down, as Psalms 1 says, and we become part of it, as Psalms 1 tells us not to do. And so... So these thoughts we need to see is how relevant they are today. That This is the world we live in today. And we need to recognize that as righteous people, we need to remain righteous, even in the world that's very unrighteous. Life lessons from Lot. Just two conversations, but so relevant as you've brought out, Roger, for exactly where we are today. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and given you a little more fuel for the journey today. Always remember when you're walking with Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come.